0: Good morning. Welcome to Faith in the Morning. Something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. Remember how much your God loves you. John 17 tells us that our Heavenly Father, God himself, loves you as much as he loves Jesus, the Son of God. He loves you, and there's nothing you can do that can change his love for you. So stay in faith so you can receive the benefits and the blessings of his love. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. You know, that's something great to put in the chat even before we start today. Go ahead and put that in the chat. Say, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Go ahead and put it in the chat and say it out loud. Say, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Welcome to Faith in the Morning. Faith in the Morning exists to help you start your day with faith and encouragement. And that's exactly what's going to happen today. But before we get into the word, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Because you are good. Because your mercy endures forever. We thank you for loving us. We thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you that you're with us every single day. We thank you that you daily load us up with benefits. You forgive all of our iniquities. You heal all of our diseases. You redeem our life from destruction. You crown our life with loving kindness and tender mercies. You satisfy our mouth and ears with good. You cause our youth renewed like the eagles. Father, we thank you for this time that we have together this morning. I pray that you grant us wisdom and insight into your word, so we can see what we need to see today, hear what we need to hear today, so we can live the life you called us, to live the lifestyle of faith. Let the word speak big within our hearts and strengthen us and feed our spirits so we can stand strong in these times. And Father, we pray according to 1 Timothy chapter 2 for those who are in authority. We pray for the president and the vice president the Congress, and the Supreme Court, for our governors, for our mayors, for our city councilmen and women, for our elected and appointed officials in this nation and every nation watching and represented. We lift them up to you. We pray that you grant them wisdom and understanding, that you lead them and guide them in the way that they should go. There's some labors across the path to minister the words to them in a way they can receive it that you surround them with godly counsel of men and women full of faith in the Holy Ghost who advise them, thus saith the Lord, that you remove from their counsel, wicked individuals who would seek to pervert the right ways of the Lord. We pray for these leaders. We pray that they won't be so party conscious, caught up in the left or the right, but we pray they'll do what's best for this nation, and above all things, put you first. We pray for an outpouring of your spirit upon them, upon our nation, and upon our churches. We thank you for these things. We receive these things, and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go with me to Philippians chapter 1 where we left off. Philippians chapter 1. We've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look at this prayer here. And it says, And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. In knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense to the day of the anointing on Jesus and His anointing, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and the praise of God. So, when we look at this prayer, it starts off. You now, one of the things I encourage you to do is to pray the Philippians one, Colossians one, Ephesians one. In Ephesians 3, pray for yourselves every single day. It's what I pray for you. It's what I encourage you to pray for yourself and for your family and for me and your church family. These are powerful spirit inspired prayers written in Scripture that give us the ability to pray these same prayers. And they have powerful results. I I wrote about them in a book a few years ago called Prayers That Will Change Your Life. And this is one of the prayers. And look at how it begins. Paul says, I pray that your love may abound more and more. Now, to abound means to overflow. He says, I pray that the love that's in you overflows, not just a little bit, but continually. It overflows more and more and more. You know, the classic business says this way. I pray that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development in knowledge and all keen insight. That your love may display itself in a greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment. Now, one of the things you have to understand about love is that when you were born again, the love of God was poured out into your heart, Romans says, by the Holy Spirit who is given to you. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of love himself, didn't just take natural human love. He took the love of God and put it in your heart. This gives you the ability to love anyone, no matter how the situation or circumstance may shape up. But it's not just supposed to stay just, okay, I just have this love in my heart. This love is supposed to overflow. It's supposed to increase. It's supposed to get to a place where people sense the love of God just by being in your presence. We don't just have a little love. Your love is overflowing. And when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, listen, Galatians 5, which I'm sure we'll look at probably this week or next week, that it starts with love. Love flows through every single gift, fruit of the Spirit. When you understand God's love for you. And God's love in you and God's love flowing through you, it enables you to live the spirit-inspired, spirit-controlled, spirit-encouraged, spirit-led life. It flows from the love of God. And so our love must overflow. And one of the ways our love overflows is focusing on how much God loves us. You remember the greatest commandment? You said you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, you're only able to do that once you know that God loves you because God's not going to ask you to do something that he's not willing to do himself. So God's asking you to love you, to love him with everything you are and everything you have, because God has already loved you with everything he is and everything he has. And we need to focus on him instead of behavior modification. Yes, we change our behavior. Yes, we change our conduct to the what holiness calls us to live. But we don't focus on our behavior. We focus on him. And the more we focus on him and look at him through his word and look at him through our relationship with him through prayer and spending time with him, the more we change to his image, the more we look at this glorious word, this mirror, we're changed from image to image, glory to glory. So we look more like him. So our focus must be on him and on his love. He loves us. We started this broadcast talking about how he loves us as much as he loves Jesus and we focus on the love of God and put our faith in God's love for us, guess what happens? We begin to imitate that love. You know, Ephesians tells us to imitate God as dear children. We should love others as God loves us. But we have to have an understanding of how much God loves us. Because if you live with a mindset that you owe God, so you're going to try to love holy and do what's right because you owe God, you will try to have a performance-based life that's based on debt instead of love. It reminds me of the parable Jesus told, the parable of the man who owed $20 million. And he took, went to the king, to the Lord, and said, hey, give me some time, and I'll pay you back everything. And since the king was moved with compassion, that's a phrase found often in the Gospels, explaining Jesus' ministry. He's moved with compassion. And it says he forgave him the debt. Forgiveness is a financial term. He canceled the debt. Which means that man does not owe him anything, doesn't owe anybody anything. But what was the first thing he did? Now think about this. If you had this outstanding debt, let's say you had student loans piling up, and you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay it. Everybody's calling you to pay, but all of a sudden your student loans are canceled. The first thing you're going to do is probably celebrate. Call your families and friends. You might just rejoice in the fact that that debt is no longer on your shoulders, it's no longer hanging over your head. But that's not what that man did in the parable. He went and found someone who owed him 20 bucks, grabbed him by the neck and shook him and said, pay me what you owe me. And the man said, hey, give me some time and I'll pay you back everything. And of course, you know how the parable goes. The man was unwilling to be patient and give that man time. He threw him in a debtor's prison. And then the king called the man back. He said, I forgave you this great debt and you couldn't forgive this small debt. Now, one of the things I want to point out, because people say, oh, the man who owed $20 million, he was just a bad person. He couldn't forgive someone for something so small. I don't think he was a bad person. I just don't think he believed he was forgiven. Because the first thing you do is go find somebody who owes you money. This shows you you're still in a consciousness of paying off a debt. He thought he just got more time. I don't think he truly believed that he was forgiven. And if you don't truly believe you're forgiven, it will affect your conduct and your behavior and how you treat others. We have to understand that we are forgiven. God has forgiven us because of Jesus. When He made Jesus Lord of your life, when you confessed your sin, when He asked God to forgive you, He is forgiven you. He is not holding your sins against you. You are iniquities. He doesn't remember anymore. And because you understand that you're forgiven, it should help you forgive others. Because you understand that your love, it should help you to love others. When we focus on how much God loves us and what he's done for us through Jesus, it enables us to love others and operate in the fruit of the spirit or the character traits of Jesus. This love is supposed to overflow in our lives in all knowledge and judgment. So it's not just splashing around and saying, oh, we just love everybody and there's no standards for our love. That's what the Bible is saying. All knowledge and so we are accurate in how we love others. We're specific in how we love others. We're loving others the way they need to be loved. You see, I, I explain this to couples all the time in premarital or marital counseling and how whatever conversation comes up, that when we look at the love commandment, we take it a way that we probably should. Love others the way, you know, That's the way you love yourself. You say, well, well, my love language is this. I'm going to love everyone through my love language. That's not what it's saying. You don't want people to love you through their love language. You want people to love you the way you need to be loved. Which means that because you have the love of God on the inside of you, it enables you to love others the way you need to be loved. Even if the way they need to be loved is not your love language. And it's not something that you are familiar with. But the love of God on the inside of you can overflow to the point, where you can love others the way they need to be loved. And what's so wonderful about this love that it can increase, it can overflow. It can overflow not just an individual, but a whole church community. When you read about the Thessalonians, how their love was increasing, their love was overflowing. Pa- Paul you said, No, you don't have to, you didn't, I don't even have to teach you. I'll remind you about some things about love, but y'all don't even know it because God Himself has taught you how to love each other. So keep doing what you're doing. And we see that their love was overflowing, their hope was growing, and their faith was growing. Why is that so important? Because love this way fuels your faith. Faith works by love. Faith is fueled by love. And if you want your faith to go far, you need to have a life filled with the love of God. It will fuel your faith. So I like to say this way in part of my daily confessions that my love overflows more and more and my faith grows exceedingly because I've taken Jesus as the author, finisher, and developer of my faith. My faith is growing exceedingly and it's fueled by the love of God. And this love evicts, casts out all fear because fear has torment. The love of God is doing wonderful things in your heart today. So think about how much God loves you. Remember that you're forgiven. Love and forgive others. And know this love is growing in your heart. It's overflowing. It'll fuel your faith. And you'll see the goodness of God, the power of God, and miracles of God manifest in your life on a regular basis. I love you so much. Remember, something good is going to happen to you today. So expect miracles all throughout your day. I'll see you tomorrow on Faith in the Morning. Go ahead and share this with others so they can be encouraged and blessed as well. God bless.